Well, hey, my name is Zach. For those of you that don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, Dallas, and I am so honored that you are here with us. If you're new to our community, we just want you to know that you are already loved, and we pray and hope that our time together would be an inspiration and encouragement to you. I'll be outside the front doors after the service. I'd love to meet you, shake your hand, and get to know you a little bit uh, once we're finished here today. Uh, today, we're doing something special as a church. We're calling it Passport Sunday. And it's my hope that we would do this uh, annually. This is kind of be a rhythm for us. And obviously you're like, Passport Sunday, I have no idea what we're talking about. So let me bring you up to speed. Part of who we desire to be and who we believe God's called us to be are people that build God's kingdom in our city, our nation, and the nations of the earth. And yet in the pressures of everyday life, of class, of tests, of work trips, of soccer games, flag football games, this deal, unexpected bills, that deal, all of the, just the normal pressures of life, it's so easy for us just to get focused on, man, how do I make it through today? And what I hope today does for you is it encourages you and challenges you to look up at Jesus and to remember or maybe even learn God's purpose and plan of how he wants to work in and through all of us. So I hope that it's an encouragement, inspiration around that. So we're going to be talking about building God's kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. And this is something really important to who we are. This is a value our church carries, and it's something the Lord has called us to be about and to grow into. And so with that vision to grow into and to mature in that in even greater ways, uh, I have one kind of uh, announcement that's a really exciting thing for our church is a step forward, I believe, to lead us further into God's purposes for us. Uh, we've been spending time, as we've been talking about, preparing the feast for the city and really working together to build teams, to bring our spiritual gifts together, to serve our city. And we've been talking internally as a staff about being aligned around our vision, being aligned around what's important. And so I shared with you a few weeks ago, we've asked Donnie Tapey to oversee serve teams. That's exciting. We've asked Joe Paulino to oversee groups. That's exciting. And then Ellen Schaub has come on full-time with our children's ministry. Yes, we have a lot of Ellen fans in this service. There's good reason for that. Um, but one of the things that we realized is this with this build God's kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. We really needed a strong leadership in that area to help us grow in this thing that's just so important to us. And so we were praying and seeking the Lord about what to do. And it seemed to us, it seemed like the Lord was highlighting a particular individual, uh, Jeremy West, who's down here on the front row, who you guys know who normally leads us in, in worship. We got, we got Jeremy fans in this service too. There you go. All right. Good reason there. Uh, we felt like the Lord was highlighting him as a person to initiate with uh, for a new role for our church, a pastor of local and global missions, really to lead us forward in building God's kingdom here in Dallas and around the world. And as we shared that with him, he and his family prayed, and they believed that was something the Lord was inviting them to step into. And so uh, that's a really exciting thing for us. And so practically what that means is that Jeremy is going to be transitioning out of being our worship pastor and is gonna be transitioning in to being our pastor of local and global missions. And I think we've all experienced uh, that Jeremy's a gifted leader. If you've been around him or a part of something that he's leading, we, you've seen that. And so it's really exciting to see that gifting aligned with this thing that God's calling us to in the area of missions. And one story that I think speaks volumes about the type of individual Jeremy is, his character and his giftings, 
When we were moving into this building uh, a couple years ago, uh, if you were with us then, you just remember it was quite the challenge. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Everything that could get delayed did get delayed. Um, so that was just very, very difficult. And one contractor in particular who was hired by the landlords here, uh, he was just having a hard time getting his job done. And yet we needed his job to get done to get the certificate of occupancy from the city. And let's just say we failed that final inspection four, maybe five times all because of this one gentleman's work and the landlords didn't want to fire him and I was trying to deal with them and he was very, very difficult to deal with. I've worked in a lot of environments. I've worked with a lot of challenging people. He would be at the top of the list in my top 10 of, wow, big challenge. And I think Jeremy could see the stress that I was carrying and like the frustration and just like that. I just don't even know what to do anymore with this particular guy. So he said, hey, Zach, what if I just kind of step in and let me just try my hand, see if, I can, see if I can help. So I said, you are welcome to try that. Thank you very much for noticing my need. Hopefully you can have better success than I did. And I watched Jeremy see this problem, initiate how he could step forward. And then the way he went about it, I was just like, man, this guy's smart. He brought the guy breakfast burritos. And day one, like he kind of slides them over there and just leads them. Oh, you know, the guy starts warming up. They build a little bit of a relationship. Jeremy gets an opportunity to minister to him. And, you know, it wasn't an overnight transformation, uh, but, but he eventually did get the job done and we got to move in. And I think that speaks volumes about Jeremy of seeing problems, of stepping forward, being willing to do hard things and to be wise in doing it. Always offer someone breakfast burritos if you're trying to build a relationship with them. And so I'm really excited for that same gift mix, skill set, anointed fit that we've seen in worship to step into kind of helping us grow in the area of local and global missions. And so that, that means for a while, Jeremy will be doing both roles. He'll be leading worship and stepping into that new role, but we'll also be looking to hire a new worship pastor. And so if that's, uh, you hear that and you're like, man, I think I might be the person that, that should do that or you might know someone that you think we should talk to, I wanna encourage you to talk to Johnny Gonzalez, our executive pastor. He's there in the back. He'll be in the lobby after this service, or you can contact him online or via our social media uh, to get in contact with him. He's gonna be organizing that process. But one of the things that's really encouraging to me is that God has always been such a generous provider for our church. I could go through story after story. I could keep you here probably until Christmas with one testimony after another of the way that God has provided for us. And so even as we're stepping into this new role, believe God has provided Jeremy to lead us forward in this area and that God's gonna provide someone to lead us in worship as well. And we're just excited to see what the Lord does. So I'd love to ask you to be joined with us in praying into all of those things. And for today, to welcome Jeremy to come up to the stage to preach with us here on Passport Sunday. Love you, excited to hear. I, I will say, I asked Jeremy to do a little bit of an unorthodox message. So normally we teach the Bible, we've been going through Luke, we've been going through Luke for forever. You guys know that. Uh, I I'm asked, not teaching the Bible today. We, we are referencing the Bible. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I asked Jeremy to come and share his testimony with you as it relates to missions. Because I think two things happen when people share their testimonies. We all get something, the Lord uses people's testimony to inspire things in us, right? And it helps you see, oh, I totally see why 
he's going to be a good fit for leading us forward. And I hope that this allows you to connect with him after the service or later in the week or in the coming months over the area of missions and over what God might have for you, things that God has planted in your heart in this area that we want to partner with you in seeing those things come to pass. So, Jeremy, take it away, my friend. All right, thank you. <clears throat> hey, breakfast burritos. I'm telling you, it's the magic. The magic. Cool story is that, that I did get to minister to that guy and pray for him, and he, his back got healed. <laughs> you know, he was like really angry all the time, those that were here. And after that, he got healed. God touched him. It was kind of like loosened up a little bit. It was good. All right. That's, thank you, Zach. Appreciate um, just the encouragement. And church, it's good to be with you. For those of y'all that don't know me, my name's Jeremy West. And um, I've had the joy, privilege to serve here, as Zach said, as a worship pastor for the last three years, uh, in addition to doing some other roles as well. Um, and just get to serve with an amazing team. Uh, like you got to witness this morning, just our worship team, our media team, uh, get to serve alongside some amazing people, and God's just been doing, growing our worship team, and super <clears throat> excited about that, and it's been an honor to serve um, in this way for, your, for our church, and to lead you and your family in worship, and just um, thank you. Um, thank you for worshiping Jesus on behalf of God, whatever. <laughs> This is a worshiping church. It's awesome. Uh, but as Zach shared, we're in transition. The Lord's been stirring uh, things in our church, in us, uh, in my life over the last uh, year or so. Um, and really excited and honored to be called by God into this new role of missions and outreach pastor. And thankful, again, for Zach and for Johnny and for our, our team, our staff, just for believing in me and being willing to entrust me with such a vital role for our church um, to be on mission and to build the kingdom of God. So, yeah. Um, and I know I, I've sensed this, and I've had many conversations with a lot of people in our church over the last several months, just about a lot of different things, things going on in people's personal life and things going on in our life groups and, and just various ministries that just the sense that God is at work. Yeah. He's doing something. He's doing something fresh, uh, in our lives, and what I really believe, and I hope this morning even kind of points us even more in that direction, is he's positioning all of us for even greater fruitfulness. You know, he is. He really is. In Acts 17, Paul said that uh, God has determined the times and the places in which we live. And he's put everyone, I believe, in a, in a best-case scenario to find Jesus. And he's putting you right now in the best-case scenario to help someone else find Jesus. Um, and so he's positioning us for that. But I do want to just encourage us, as you know, Zach said, for just invite everyone to, to pray. As our church goes through shifts and, and transitions, and you might be going through something like that in your own life, in your work or, or relationship or something uh, that's transitioning in you, um, we likewise experience those things. My encouragement is for all of us to lean in together. And uh, I took, the summer, I took my kids riding jet skis uh, with, with some family, and we're out there on the jet ski, and, and jet ski rule 101 was when we turn left, you lean left. If I turn left and you lean right, then you're, <laughs> you're going to 
jump in the lake. And, um, and so we, you know, we practice and we go and I'm just like, all right, turn left. And we all lean left, you know, right, all that. In the same way, when we have transition in life, we've got to lean in, right? Um, and how we do that is through prayer. We do that in prayer, communication, encouragement. So lean in when you're having transition, all right? I just helped somebody's marriage. <laughs> just saying. I'm going to preach this morning. We're going to talk about missions, but... There it is. That's all. All right. Passport Sunday. Antioch, Dallas, our first annual Passport Sunday. I'm super excited. I just thought we'd kick it off um, with, with a photo here in a second. Just hold on, guys. But our goal with Passport Sunday is to inspire and equip our church family to engage in mission in a fresh way. Uh, just to lean into the things that God has for us to engage in mission, um, to build the kingdom of God in our city, in our nation, and nations of the earth. Um, so, but to start it off, I wanted to show you my first ever passport photo. Are you ready? Wait for it. Go. (laughs) Um, I think we calculated that I was about nine months old right there. Looks like my son Simeon, doesn't it? And that's a Brazilian passport because I was born in Brazil, and so I'll share a little bit about that here in a minute. So that was my, my first passport ever. And then one thing led to another. When I was a teenager, I got another passport. And, uh, yeah. You're like, is that our missions pastor or a member of NSYNC? I don't know. <laughs> Those are frosted tips. Well, it's just anyone that ever had frosted tips and any male that's had frosted tips, go ahead and identify yourself. Thank you, Josh. Joe, there we go. There. All right. We will have a prayer recovery group down front at the end. All right, so that was my, my next passport. Um, well, as you probably know, passport is needed to travel abroad. Um, and here is a definition, literal Webster definition. A passport is an official document issued by a government certifying the holder's identity and citizenship and entitling them to travel under its protection to and from foreign countries. We want everyone to have a passport because um, we want you to be ready to go, all right? So to help in that, if you do not have a passport or your passport's about to be expired or something, you've lost it, God forbid, or something like that, we have in the lobby a handout for you that you can pick up to help you get on your way to finding a passport because it is kind of complicated sometimes, all right? So you can get the handout in the lobby. We want everyone to have a passport so we're ready to go. And I heard this story of Antioch Waco. They would sometimes do a, a mission Sunday or a missions event, and they would have charter buses down front, uh, like outside the church. And at the end, they would say, okay, if you got your passport, you're ready to go. Mission trip to Mexico starting right now. You can go get on the bus. And people would do that like, I'm not coming into work this week, you know, or skipping school or whatever. And they would just go. And so we want to be that people that are just ready to go um, because you don't know what opportunity God might have, what place of crisis or pain may come up in the world, and boom, your skill is needed in the nations. So, passport. 
um, and take action practically so that you can get a passport. But in a spiritual sense, we also need a passport. And I'm about to preach. So get ready for it. See, the passport of the citizens of the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. Let's just take some of this passport language and apply it to us because he is the one who certifies our identity as sons and daughters of God, our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. He's the one that calls. He's the one that empowers. He's the one that protects us as we travel about building the kingdom of God in our city, nation, and nations of the earth, being a witness of Jesus. And so in our time together this morning, seriously, my hope is that we all have encounter with the Holy Spirit and that we are able to listen to the Holy Spirit, that we're able to respond to the Holy Spirit. We're able to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit because he is the ultimate passport into the things of God that he has for us. He's our passport into building the kingdom of God in our city and nation and nations of the earth. Amen? So to help us tune in this morning, everyone should have a passport under their seat. We might be running short. I'll give you mine. Everyone look under or the chair in front of you or behind you or to the side of you. If someone can't find one, I have two right here. Everyone needs one. If you've got one, wave it at me. Wave. Oh, a few. Who wants my passport? All right, great. So, um, and and if you don't have one, you can just uh, use a a sheet of paper or a journal or take the next steps card and use that. I don't know. Um, And here's what I want everyone to do. Open up on the first page. You need a passport and a pen. At the top of the first page, we're going to use these uh, this morning to help us respond to the Holy Spirit. So at the top of the first page, I want you to write, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me as a header? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And on the top of the second page, after you do that, you can write as a header, my response. And then you're going to put city, nation, nations. My response. So page one, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Page two, my response, city, nation, and nations. And on the third page, I'm going to step out here and be bold. As a header, write, within 48 hours, I will, dot, dot, dot. Within 48 hours, I will. All right. So during the rest of our time together this morning, you can use that passport journal. I want to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to what God is saying uh, to you this morning. He may speak uh, a scripture. It may be something I say. It may not be something I say. It it doesn't matter. He may put a scripture on your heart. He may put a person on your heart, a place on your heart, a nation on your heart, your workplace, a neighbor. Just listen. Let's just be in the posture of listening to the Holy Spirit as we... um, as we gather this morning. And my hope um, is that God is speaking to us. I know he is speaking to us and that we'll be a people that respond.
And as Zach shared, I want to take a moment this morning just to share some of my story as it relates to missions. So I'm not, I got a lot of stories and a lot of gaps, as I'm sure you do as well. I'm going to focus in on those that, that relate to missions and, and this journey that God has had me on um, even since before I was born. And my hope is that as I share my story, connects with your story and our story, and because God is positioning all of us to be a part of his story. Amen? Amen. History, his story. There you go, plan words. All right. So I'm going to um, share that. And at the end of our time, we'll have a little bit of time to, to just pause and reflect where you can uh, write some things down that God may be speaking to you. Um, all right. So as I begin uh, this new journey, I want to share a little bit of my story. But my story uh, doesn't actually start with me. It starts before I was born, actually dating back to like the 1950s. There was a guy named Walter Crydell. He was six foot four, big dude, loud voice. And Walter had a heart for Jesus. And he uh, responded to the Spirit's call on his life uh, to preach and to be a bold witness uh, of Jesus. And Walter, uh, what you need to know about him that's important to his story is that he had a disability. And his disability was that he had one foot that was about seven inches shorter than the other foot. So as you can imagine, this is a, a, a pretty significant disability. Um, and he had a, a shoe, a specially designed shoe made for him at the time that had a seven-inch sole on the shoe so that he could walk without too much of a limp because, yeah, well, seven inches, that's like you're going down the stairs everywhere you go. And so <clears throat> Walter had, had this lamp, um, but he was determined. He never let it become an excuse for him fulfilling the call of God on his life. And so he, he uh, went about West Texas with his brother, preaching the gospel, being trained, training others, making disciples, uh, leading people to Jesus, the whole thing, just going for it. But deep in his heart, he had a desire to go to the nations. He had a desire to, to see Jesus glorified in the nations of the earth. And so his friends would pray, and they would dream about that, and they would have meetings, even in their dorm rooms while they were in college, about, God, what do you say? What could we be a part of? What is possible? And as you can imagine, at that time, 1950s, this isn't like it is today where you could hop on kayak.com, book a flight, and you could be on the other side of the world within 24 hours. This is a, a different era, a different time. The cost for going uh, to, to distant land was a, was a weighty cost, but they were willing and they wanted to go. Um, and so continue to pray. Uh, after a few years around the end of college, he met Mary Nell. Um, they got married and started a family, welcomed their first child into the world, which was Angela, who is my mother. All right? And so um, I'm talking about my grandparents. And my grandparents just stayed faithful to this call on their life to proclaim the gospel wherever they went, whatever they were doing. Um, they just were in. They were in for it. Uh, and they had one kid, two kids, three kids. So if you have kids, they had three under the age of four. All right? That is an intense life right there. That's like discipling the nations, discipling three kids under the age of four is like a lot of work, okay? 
Um, and so, you know, really busy uh, home life plus a disability pressing through um, with all those situations, but they went for it. In 1961, God opened the door for them to go, and they joined a team, hopped on a boat, a boat, <laughs> for three weeks, sailed to Brazil, where they began to make disciples and church plant in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Super cool. And even at an old age, they continue to to love Jesus and to make disciples. When they were, uh, many years later, they came back. uh, They were put uh, in a retirement home where they lived for the last several years. And there was a need in the retirement home. And so you know what they did? They started a church (laughs) in the retirement home. They started a Bible study. They started, you know, he would, Walter would serve communion, would lead songs, would, would minister to people, would share the gospel with people uh, who are in their latter years of life. And recently, uh, two months ago, my granddad, Walter, passed away. We got to celebrate his life. It was super awesome. But at one of the gatherings that we had uh, at the retirement home, it was packed out. Literally, standing room only. There was, uh, not wheelchairs, well, wheelchairs and Whatever those carts are with the tennis ball, you know, yeah, those, just walkers lined up all throughout the hall. And I walk in, I'm like, what is going on? And the room is packed, standing room only, and people just sharing stories about what God had done and, and how meaningful um, Walter was to them. And one lady stood up kind of towards the end, and she just shared, and she started crying. She was emotional, and, and you could see she was really distressed when most other folks were were. were Sad, but we're in a celebratory. She was like really distraught. And she shared, you know, one of the things that I loved about Walter, this is an 80-year-old woman. I loved just going to, to the Bible study that he would lead, and I could ask him questions, and he would point me to Jesus to find answers. And I'm really sad because I can't ask him questions. I can't, I have so many more questions that I want to ask that I can't ask. And everyone was just kind of like, hmm, oh, that's sad, you know, crying, the whole thing. Well, the, the, the deal ended eventually. You know, she sat down, and, and we went on, and they dismissed. And everyone kind of made the beeline to the cookies and the coffee and the refreshments and started talking with all their friends, all except one person, my grandmother. She turned around. She made a beeline to that woman. I me and my brother watching this at the corner of my eye. She turns around and makes a beeline. Everyone else is going to the refreshments. She goes, makes a beeline. She starts a conversation with this woman, and she says, hey, I, I want you to know, I am always available, and I will be available to study the scriptures with you and together to help you find the answers to your questions and they exchange phone numbers or room numbers, whatever you do, in a retirement home. <laughs> Grandma, in her grief, just lost her husband. She's still thinking about others. And as I prayed for this morning and for our time together, that word came to mind several times, others. Others. It's a word that in our culture is not valued because we think about ourselves. And God is raising up a people here at Antioch, Dallas, that think about others. And we have this song that's been passed down in our family. It goes like this. 
others, others, help me think of others, like my sister and my brothers, others, others, help me think of others. And it's a prayer that we pray often. It's a prayer you can take, teach it to your kids. We want to be people that think about others. So I'm thankful for the legacy of my grandparents, but, but I'm also equally thankful for my parents. Um, and they're here this morning. They're part of Antioch. Marty and Angela, give us a wave. <clears throat> if you know them, you know that they are one of a kind and heroes, awesome people. And so I want to share just a little bit about their journey and, uh, and how that's impacted me. So you've heard a little bit about my mom. She grew up in Brazil. We always joke, not joked, just said about her that she was American on the outside but Brazilian on the inside. Um, and that's true. Uh, whenever she meets Brazilians or they meet her, they're like, you speak very good Portuguese. You know, you know it's like, well, that's why. But my dad had a different upbringing. He grew up in West Texas. Monahans, Lobos, yep. Uh, and he played, he played football. That, that's what he did. Played football, sold snow cones. Um, his, his dad, Pawpaw, was a fun-loving, um, hard-working guy. He worked for Coca-Cola. And so Coca-Cola has had a, a big impact on our family. If you would come to one of our family gatherings, we would drink Coke, not Pepsi. Uh, we'd pray for you, but... Not. Coke, and there's Coke paraphernalia everywhere, right? All of my aunts and uncles, including my parents, all have Coke machines at their house. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, like my aunt, she had a little cup on top of the Coke machine with quarters that you just recycle the quarters, and that's, you want to drink, you don't go to the fridge, you go to the Coke machine. So it's kind of cool, all right? So, so that was my, my dad's uh, family um, out in West Texas, but my dad went to college at Abilene Christian University and was just living it up. Purple, white, fight, fight, fight. I went there too. Donnie, a few of you. Uh, yes. All right. We got some ACU folks. And so um, was just living it up. And my dad's a go-getter. And he knows no stranger. In fact, every stranger is a friend waiting to happen. Okay? That's, that's his, like, mode of life. Um, he was the only guy that didn't join a fraternity because it would limit his social <laughs> possibility. Like, seriously, you know, like everyone else joins one to like up their social game. He was like, that's actually going to pull me down, you know. Um, and so he didn't. And he just knew everyone. His junior year, he's like popular guy, Mr. ACU is what they call it. You know, homecoming king, whatever. Mr. ACU time of his life, the glory days, all of his friends, the whole thing. And one day at ACU Chapel, a guy stands up and, and talks about missions. He was a missionary. And he gives this call saying, you know, the harvest is so plentiful around the world, but laborers are few. And we need laborers. And he began to name off a few places. And he said, Argentina, the harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Who out there is going to go? And my dad volunteered, and he said, I'll go. Let's go. So he finished his junior year, summer, left for Argentina, put a bookmark in college, and just took off. 
And so we do like three-month internships and things like that with, with Antioch and uh, Serve Team and Engage the Nations. His was a two-year <laughs> deal. So he just put a bookmark in school, all of his friends going, dude, you are crazy. You're, you're going to Argentina? Like, what? You know, like, why? You know, but this, this is crazy. And one of the things, you know, you're going to miss out on all the best years of your life. One of the big objections was, you're not going to find a wife there. <laughs> right? But... Some of you might need to write this one down. History always proves that regrets don't follow someone who says yes to Jesus. History has always proved that regrets don't follow someone who says yes to Jesus. So he goes to Argentina, learns Spanish, starts ministering, laying down his life for people, single guy. Um, But Dicing on the cake. He goes, uh, they take their group from Argentina to a Christian conference. There's churches from Brazil and Argentina that meet. And at this Christian conference, during a powerful time of worship, holy, holy. That's how I believe it happened, at least. He meets my mom. And they become friends, eventually back to America, ACU, the whole thing, and finish and get married. So word has it that my dad, his, like, kill shot was that he said, I need to learn Portuguese. You know Portuguese. Will you teach me Portuguese? And so they had Portuguese lesson dates, right? You know, that was, like, his, like, way in. And um, anyways... We know what was really going on. But. Um, after my parents finished school, they joined a team of, of their friends. So a new generation joined a team to go to Brazil to do the same thing in a different city called Rio de Janeiro. So with their team, they went to make disciples and church plant. And I was born in Rio uh, de Janeiro, Brazil. And I actually have this distinct memory when I was four years old, uh, we'd moved to uh, Sao Paulo at the time, and I remember at our home having an ice cream party, an ice cream social at our house. And as a four-year-old, I'm like, dude, this is awesome. We're just inviting a bunch of people over, and we're eating ice cream. And we sang some, and that was it. I didn't know at the time that was the launch of the church. They'd invited all their neighbors, all their friends, and coworkers, everybody, like, just come. We're having this party. We'd eat ice cream, share the gospel, set up uh, uh, Discovery Bible studies, and off we go with the church. Um, super cool to look back on that, on that memory. Um, years later, a few years later, we moved back to the States, um, California and Texas, uh, and we got to visit Brazil when I was 15. So that passport was actually probably the one I had. I'm about 15 or 16, and we go back. So it's been about 10 years and we go back to visit Brazil and the, this church that had started in the living room with an ice cream party was thousands of people in like dozens of locations. We went to four church services on a Sunday just to try to see people. It was crazy. And 
very meaningful for my parents, as you can imagine. We were at one church service, and the guy that was leading worship came up to my dad afterwards and gave him a big hug and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, Martin, thank you. And, um, and dad was like, I'm sorry, you know, like, please forgive me, I don't remember your name. And, uh, and oh, no, you don't know me, you don't, you don't know me. He said, you know, y'all, y'all led my, uh, this lady to the Lord who led my wife to the Lord who led me to the Lord. And so I wanted to thank you. Another guy comes up and says, I have made a discipleship tree. You led me to Christ and discipled me. And here's all the people that I've invested in and the people they've invested in, the people they've invested in. It was like hundreds of people. It's crazy. So super rewarding but with all that, I've also learned, we've had a lot of dinner table conversations that missions is hard. It's hard work and relationships are challenging. You invest in someone and then they turn their back on Christ or on you or they ridicule you. I remember actually being robbed coming home from church one time and like the windows are smashed in and our house is turned upside down, and they just knew we were at church, and they robbed, you know, got robbed. Uh, they endured persecution and attack. Um, you know, even some, some team dysfunction within uh, the, ch- uh, the church. I mean, the kind of stuff that when I look back on it and I hear and I, and I know other people's stories, it's kind of stuff that, that wounds people deeply that causes them to leave the faith that kind of pain, and yet they persevered. Always fought for unity of the spirit. Always sought to forgive, to have a pure heart, keeping Jesus and his mission at the center. And I'm thankful for their perseverance because I'm a recipient of that fruit. Um, After moving back to the U.S., they didn't have an opportunity to work in full-time ministry, uh, vocational ministry, but they continue to live on mission. And I have, uh, man, just some, some crazy, cool memories, but it was kind of normal, like, everyday life. It wasn't like, we're this way at church, and we're this way at home. It was like, we're this way at church, and we're this way at home, and it's the same. In fact, at home, like, the things of the faith got amped up, you know? I, I've known this true of my dad, like the whole fraternity thing, like he couldn't join a fraternity because it would limit. Sometimes it was that way in the church, to be honest. It was like, when we're on our own at home, we're just going for it. You know, Jesus in that church is like kind of the holding back or whatever. Anyways, I'm just saying it was awesome. And at home, they lived the faith. And I'm so thankful for that. And one of uh, a few things that I remember was my mom who became a kindergarten teacher at the school where I was, she led her co-teacher to the Lord and began to disciple her and minister to her. And, and, and then she you know, got married again, and, and just her whole life changed because of my mom being her co-worker. And uh, they led my brother's baseball coach to the Lord, which was really cool. A few years later... Uh, led my brother's baseball coach to the Lord. We lived in an apartment complex in San Diego, and they led like multiple people to the Lord in our apartment complex and started a life group from scratch. You know, just 
awesome, awesome stuff of just living for Jesus in, in a simple way, um, but persevering in that. Um, one of the things that impacted me deeply, too, was the stand that we took for Jesus in what we decided to be a part of and not be a part of. So we played baseball, me and my brothers, we played a lot of baseball. I played select baseball all the way through, um, I mean, practices on the weekends. And we, I remember one time we had a practice on Christmas Eve, like crazy. Like it was an intense baseball team. And we were really good. And I was one of the better players on the team. Um, but we drew a line. And I remember my dad and, and I going and, and we met with a coach and he said, you know, this happened in Little League and then this happened later in junior high when I was 14. Talked with a coach and just said, hey, um, we got a lot of games on Wednesdays and we have some other priorities. In fact, they're more a priority than baseball um, is that we follow Jesus and part of following Jesus is that we're committed to the church, we're committed to being a part of the church and growing in our faith. And so we're not going to be at some of these Wednesday night baseball games. I could see the look of the coach just kind of like, our shortstop is not there. You know, and it was just like, it wasn't religious. It wasn't performance. It wasn't because we had to. It was because we wanted to. And that that's just what we did. We're going to be different than the world. And I remember at times like struggling with that. Part of me was like, I know that this is the right thing, I'm in. And part of me was like, man, it's kind of a bummer. Um, but we did it. And I remember going to school even the next day and my friend Mark saying, why weren't you at the game last night? Aren't you, like, don't you care about baseball? And I, I said, yeah. I said, but, but we care more about Jesus and about church and, and about, you know, following Jesus. And we know that this helps us follow Jesus. And so we want to prioritize that in our life. Um, it was difficult at times, but powerful. And I'm so thankful. And I learned from those experiences, things that I'm doing right now have to do with my own kids, is that we're going to be different. And it's okay to be different. Hear that. Some of you need, it's okay to be different. In fact, sometimes the God uses, or let me let me say this. I learned through some of those experiences that sometimes God gives you the opportunity to point to his all-surpassing goodness by the things you say no to and the things you choose not to attend. Not because you can't, not because it's inherently sinful, but just because Jesus is going to be the priority and we're not going to let the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches crowd him out. That right there, part, part, part of being a witness is doing that. There's times to say, you know, we're going to go do this thing and we're going to invest and be present with people. But there's also times to say, you know what? No. Because we're going to prioritize Jesus. I'm thankful for that. And that marked me. Going into my freshman year, I learned how to say no. And uh, as a freshman, I had to say no a lot. Because all my friends started going one direction. And if I was going to follow Jesus, I could not go that direction. So it was kind of like a year of consecration <laughs> of sorts. Um, and, and to be honest, it was lonely. And really the highlight of that freshman year was I got to play JV basketball. It's like the only freshman on JV basketball at our 
large 6A high school. I, I was pretty tall. I was as tall then as I am now. Um, I could dunk the basketball, shoot, you know, all the stuff, and I'm on the JV team, and that was cool, and that was about it. Um, that, and then trying to love Jesus and not sin. <laughs> Seriously. Not really having much of an impact, just trying to hang on, right? In the, in the middle of this sea and friends going this way and me trying to go another way. So it was, it was lonely and it was difficult. Um, and that was my life until one night at a youth life group had a guy ask me this question. He said, Jeremy, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, I think so. <laughs> That's what I told him. I was like, probably. Um, and I'd been giving my life to Jesus and water baptized. And he said, well, let me just pray for you. I was like, sure. And he laid hands on me and began to pray for me. And literally my heart like came on fire. I don't know how to describe it other than that. And then my mouth went numb, and I started singing in tongues. And, and you were thinking right now, especially maybe if you're new to church, you're going, that's weird. <laughs> and you and me both, because <laughs> that was weird. And I was like, what in the world is happening? This is crazy. You know, I, I was not like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. Like, I did not share this testimony until today. Really. I mean, like, seriously, I was not, it was just kind of bizarre. But however weird it was, just this deal, I knew something had happened. And the manifestation, what followed, the manifestation was the fruit that I had always wanted, but didn't have the willpower to produce. I'd always wanted to be a bold witness to Jesus. I didn't want to live just like trying to not sin. I wanted to have an impact. But there was a, a, a struggle there. And that encounter, after that encounter, I was no longer dominated by fear or by performance or by trying to not do the wrong thing. Jesus baptized me with his spirit and everything changed. And my hunger for God turned up Hate for sin got turned up. I mean, sin was no longer something I was going to tolerate. Or she'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to be over there, but I guess I'm going to go over here. But it was like, I don't want to be over there. I really want to be over here because this leads to life, and I want life. And that was the shift that happened. I started taking a stand for Jesus in my school, um, reading my Bible, like through math class especially. Um, <laughs> most of all, began to love other people and care about other people in a way that I didn't before. Um, but I learned something important about mission at that time, something that we need to learn as well, and that is this. It's that you have to have life-changing encounter with Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be effective on mission. Jesus told his disciples this, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power of the Holy Spirit. So God just began to burn in our hearts and, uh, and the next year, my sophomore year, my brother was at school now and we just, we're like, we're going for it, man. We're just gonna like 
go for it. And we decided to start a life group. And our goal was to reach our whole school for Jesus. Like a couple thousands, everybody come to faith in Jesus. And we like did prayer walks and fasting days and Bible study and started reaching out. We made these invitations. My dad helped us make these invitations with Microsoft clip art. You know, there's some really cool like invitations. I don't know how anyone resisted that because it was so powerful. Um, and we started this group and my brother reached out to this guy on his basketball team named Craig Clement. And Craig came to Christ and started following Jesus. And Craig brought his cousin Adam and Jake Shepard. Are you in here? He's serving somewhere. That's who he is. Jake came one time. He was a seventh grader. Peach fuzz, jinkos. I mean, just like... <laughs> That was, we're just going for it together, right? And, um, and following Jesus, and we want to we do this thing. And we're praying for revival, asking God for revival. Just, God, come, move in power, do amazing things. We're expecting, like, signs and wonders and the whole school to, to get saved. And one day, uh, I get a phone call from a mom of another student. And she calls me on Saturday morning before our group met Saturday evening. And she said, hey, my son is a freshman. He's on fire for Jesus. He, all he does, he's a freshman, okay? He talks about Jesus and watches TBN <laughs> at home, okay? Y'all don't even know, Google that, all right? It's a Christian TV station. And he just, he just loves Jesus. And, and he heard about y'all's group and he wants to be a part of your group. And I think, yeah, I mean, we want him. And I said, great, this is odd. This, we've been praying for these kinds of guys to like come, disciple, and raise them up, and do all this stuff. And uh, we get to end in a conversation, and she says, but there's something you need to understand, um, and, and, and it's okay if this means that he can't come. See, my son, Tim, he, he has cerebral palsy. He can't speak. He drools on himself. He can barely walk. And it's kind of difficult to interact with him and to include him. And at that moment, I realized this is for real. This is for real. Because building the kingdom of God in my school meant that I needed to be ready and willing to love people radically and sacrificially. See, God was choosing to work in our lives and through us, not through a sign and wonder at that time, but through displaying his glory in us and through us in the way that we would love Tim. And God brought many other people, foreigners, outcasts, the, the popular, the unpopular, and we just said, we're going to love them. We're going to love everybody. Everybody's going to be loved. And Tim had this little card on him that he could, he could stretch it out, and it had the alphabet, and that's how he talked. And talking with Tim sometimes was just painstaking, you know, like process. We'd sit for hours and hours talking with Tim, talking about Jesus. Tim's passion was Muslims. He wanted to reach Muslims. He wanted to share Jesus with them and love them. And we had some at our school. <laughs> Tim, he was always looking to become a friend with, with a Muslim to share Jesus with them. It's awesome. We learned that we got to be radical in our love. Eventually, after 
after school, I went to college, and, um, and the, kind of the next life lesson in college was learning to disciple. And didn't know really why I was there at school. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. Um, joined a church. It was an awesome church. They said, hey, will you lead a small group? I was like, sure. Who's in my small group? They're like, <laughs> whoever you invite. I was like, okay. Um, so me and my, my, my friend, we said, well, let's just start a small group. And we invited people in the dorm. And, and God brought the hurting, the broken, the angry, <laughs> um, the angry at church. Um, to our group, and we just, we're going to love sacrificially, but kind of life lesson on top of that, being filled with the Spirit, loving radically and sacrificially, was then a, a lesson of learning to disciple and equip others. And God has called us all to that. He wants to fill us with His Spirit. He's commanded us to love others. But in Matthew 28, 19, He commanded us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that I have commanded you. So I and my friends, George, Byron, Philip, we just, we literally had no clue. We're just, we're going to go for it, whatever discipleship is. George had heard this story about this this church planner in Moldova where it's like really cold, having guys do push-ups while they memorize verses. And I walk in the room one day and he's got guys doing push-ups. I'm like, dude, it's Abilene, Texas. Man, like, they're doing push-ups and memorizing verses. I had a guy that I was investing in named Daniel who's a good friend of mine. And God was teaching me about fasting. So I was just teaching him. And then one day he's just like, I love fasting. I was like, whoa. And we're at a group meeting with, with people and uh, go around, what's your favorite thing about God? Oh, he's a father. Oh, he loves me. The Holy Spirit. And Daniel was like, fasting. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, his mom's going to call me, and, and she's not going to say, we want Daniel to be a part of your group. You know, it's going to be like, get away from my son. You're crazy. Daniel came to me one day and said, hey, the Lord has put this on my heart. I want to write handwrite the entire Bible in my spiral, and I'm going to fast until it's done. I was like, go for it, right? Just go for it. He like got to like Genesis 37. It's been 20 days. He's lost 30 pounds, and, and he's like, you know what? I think that I, that I probably misheard God. But I was like, hey, dude, hey, go big or go home. Like, that's how we're going to roll. And so we did that. Just go big or go home. Share the gospel, fast, pray, whatever it is, just do it with all your heart. So we went for it. And, and what happened was God multiplied the group, multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. And next thing we knew, we had like an army of people that want to fast and pray and seek God and share the gospel and go on missions. It was cool. And I um, graduated. The church asked me to be pastor. So I came on staff with an associate pastor, college pastor and just got to continue doing that, leading people in missions and discipleship, which is awesome. Um, did that for 10 years. And then God led us back to Dallas um, and opened the door for us here at Antioch, Dallas. Um, and really along my heart was just, I just, want to make disciples and plant churches. And whatever venue that happens, 
so be it. And, and the door that was open was worship. So I was like, all right, we're going to do it through worship. But I remember having a conversation with Zach. He was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I will be the janitor if it means we get to plant churches and make disciples. So hungry for it. And so here we are. And one of the things that I've loved about Antioch over the years, and I've had connections with Antioch dating back to high school, and what drew my wife and I here was a heart for the nations. I've heard Jimmy say this so many times. He said that we are going to be focused on the uttermost, the ST of the uttermost. He said when you focus on the uttermost, you hit, you get everyone in between. And there was this desire to just dream the dreams of God. It's actually going to be the theme of World Mandate this year, kind of back to this original word, where, where Jimmy and, and the early leaders of the Antioch movement, and, and to this day, this is what we pray, even as a staff, like, God, what are the dreams on your heart? And is there anything that's on your heart that no one else is signing up for or no one else is willing to do? We're willing, and we want to go. And that's what we want to lean into. And that's what we've sought to lean into as a people. Um, in Acts 13, this quick snapshot is that they're there praying, fasting, listening to the Lord. And in that context, the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and Barnabas, go. And so they're sent out by their brothers to go and proclaim the gospel. And we want to be this people. This is, this is our history. This is the Antioch church. We're those that listen to the Spirit of God, that press in and seek him, and that respond in obedience to what he's saying. In Acts 1.8, I read this scripture earlier, but Jesus said the Holy Spirit would empower us to be the witnesses of God in, in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. And so we want to take a moment this morning just to respond to the Lord in this way. What is God calling us to? And I have some prompts that we're going to share but God may be speaking something else to you as we do this. In our city, some opportunities. One is we want to challenge you to join a serve team. Join a serve team. This is like real practical way you can be engaged with mission. Join a serve team. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about others. And we are preparing a feast. That's what the language God has given us to use. And part of preparing the feast is us being in a place of serving so that when God brings people to our church on Sunday morning or to your life group or whatever uh, venue it is, that we are ready, we're positioned, and we're ready to serve, and we're ready to lead people to Jesus, to the feet of Jesus. I, I self-admitting uh, here, I did not always see the value for this until I invited a family to church, and I invited some friends of mine to church, and I was up here leading worship, so I was going to be here and not anywhere else in the sanctuary or in the building for that matter. And I knew that they were coming with their kids. And suddenly, I really got concerned with what was going on with our welcome home team. I was like, Donnie, we have our A game on. I got friends coming, right? Like, we better, it better be, they better be the most smiling, handshakingest people. Like, better be ready. And Ellen... They've got kids. They're coming. You know, like I'm just thinking this. I want it to be a good experience for them because they're not going to interact with me. They're going to interact with you. That's why. And the cool thing was is that they met people 
that Sunday, and I, I didn't even get to talk to them. I talked to them later in the week, and they said, we had a great experience. These people met us, and they were so nice. We went to drop off our kids, and they were someone so nice. They were, it was so great, and they had an experience. We're coming back, and now they're a part of our life group. I mean, it's just awesome, and their family's coming to faith. I mean, it's awesome, because, because someone else signed up to be on a serve team. See, by yourself, you're just a thread. Together, we're a net. Thread, net. Thread, net. Don't be a thread. Be a part of the net. All right? Um, two serve teams that we're launching um, and that, that I'll be overseeing is an Acts of Mercy team and a street team. Um, and you can text uh, Antioch Serve to 97000 if you want information uh, on these. But the Acts of Mercy team is going to be a team that's just ready to go to meet needs in our city. Like when a tornado hits, if that were to ever happen, you know. And there was a need for a team to be mobilized to go to cut down trees and to clean up stuff and to serve food or whatever, then we'd be ready. Acts of Mercy Street Team, just evangelism. People that are wanting to go and just share their faith and lead our church in that. Um, so that's how you can respond in our city, in our nation. Um, we're part of a larger Antioch family with churches across the United States. And this summer, we're gonna take a trip. We're, uh, we're doing a family mission trip uh, to a U.S. city, still locking down the specific uh, uh, location of that, but July 2020. So you can text Impact Trip to 97,000. Go with us. We're going to minister in the nation alongside our uh, fellow Antioch churches. And then uh, the last in the nations is God's been stirring, and we have a desire to go to the nations. The last few years, just with our staffing and all the transitions we have had, we had not been able to do as many trips as we would hope and like to, and really as we feel called to. Um, but this summer, that's changing, and we're starting. Um, and so we have Tijuana College Trip in March uh, that you can be a part of, Tijuana Family Trip in May, and then Golden Shores, Southeast Asia in June. Um, you get, again, text impact trip. If you want more information, we'll have more of that in the days to come, but um, cost and all that stuff is already available on our website. Um, and then the last is World Mandate. We want to just invite everyone to be a part of World Mandate. It's a time where our church gathers to worship Jesus, to make much of him, and to, to have an Acts 13 moment where we just listen to the Lord. God, what do you have for us? And so we want to invite everyone to be a part. You can Text world mandate to 97,000, um, and that will get you the information. Amen. All right. Well, I want to just invite you, everyone, to close their eyes. As we close, we're going to just take a moment to respond um, and to listen to the Lord. And the team, worship team is going to lead us in a, a song just to help focus our hearts on Jesus and the nations and the uttermost. But first, let's just pause for a moment. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking? Holy Spirit, we want to hear you. Truly, we want to respond to you. Whatever that thing is in us that causes us to hesitate, 
to doubt, to fear. We ask that you would overcome it in us and make us a bold people. Some of you, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit afresh. Empower you to love radically in your context. Some, he's calling you to discipleship, missions, and to step out. Maybe you've been afraid, but God, I want you to know God's done so much in you. Someone else needs to hear. You need to invest what's been invested in you. Lord, we want to respond to you faithfully. There may be some in this room that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to know that God loves you and he cares about you. And he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And you could have new life, new desires, a new heart. This morning, if you want to respond to Jesus, say yes to Jesus starting a relationship with him. I want to invite you just to raise your hand. We're not going to put you up here on the stage or on a billboard or anything like that. Just an indication, God, here I am, and I want to follow you. Amen. For all of us, we're going to take a moment to respond. You can remain seated. The worship team is going to lead us in a song that we sing often here at our church, but they're going to do it in a creative way with a video and with some other languages. My prayer is just that as we worship to this song, that God would stir in us again a heart for what he's doing in the nations.
Namaste.